The world is not set up for neurodivergent people. It's almost like one day someone decided that was the norm, that was how we should behave. What are the best bits of ADHD? Well, I like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love to talk to random people. I'm absolutely obsessed with stationery. I'm always on time. You know, WhatsApp groups about friends. Oh, you're always the first to reply. Because otherwise I won't ever. <laughs> like, it's now or never. Whiteboards are my friend. We have like one on the fridge. We have, actually, there's like we have three on the fridge. Ooh, that looks fun and glitzy. There we go. Meet Hester. I'm here for that vibe. Our next guest was shining the spotlight on neurodivergence way before me. After being diagnosed with ADHD in her 40s, Hester and her husband Kelly, who's autistic ADHD, founded Perfectly Autistic, transforming workplaces through neuroinclusive training, workshops, and coaching. But Hester Granger's not your average coach. She kicked off her career in the media, hosting Channel 5's The Right Stuff, editing magazines, and writing for the Huffington Post. With 30 full-time jobs under her belt, Hester's actually the perfect person to help change how companies support those who think differently. Hester's a fountain of knowledge on ADHD. She really knows who she is, and her high-speed work count made this episode really enjoyable. Here we go. Let's hear how great minds think differently. Hi, Hester. Welcome to The Hidden 20%. Thank We've you. We've kind of just been doing the podcast before these guys turn the cameras on and the do. mics. I sort of like to pick up where we sort of left off before we had to pause, which I guess was a bit of the maybe the myths, misconceptions, where you think society is at with ADHD right now. Big question. Huge question. How long do we have to answer this one question? And obviously we're going to go off on a thousand tangents. Yeah, yep. I think at the moment it's just a hot topic and it's, it's seen as cool to have ADHD, which isn't always a good thing, is it? Do you know what I mean? We were just saying there about you see things on TikTok and people are like, oh yeah, that's me because God, I leave my washing in the washing machine for three days and I'm losing my keys and lose my phone, must have ADHD. And I think for us, whenever we're doing any training with companies or we're talking to people, we're always like, you can do all those things, but actually, as you know, ADHD is a whole sort of wider topic than that. Also, you need to have been doing these things before you were sort of 11 and 12. So like I was told, you know, a couple of friends were like, oh, are you sure it's not just like mum brain, baby brain, when I was diagnosed at 43? And I was mm -hmm. like, eh, the kids are like 10 and 12 at the time. <laughs> I was like, baby brains. Being, <laughs> a little bit beyond a that A little now. bit. You know, I don't know if I can keep clutching at <laughs> yes. that. I was, yes. I was going along with that for years. What is ADD? So ADD is Attention Deficit Disorder, but it's not actually a diagnosed term anymore. So you're diagnosed with ADHD. There are three different types. So ADHD is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And it doesn't actually mean there's like a lack of attention. It's like you just can't necessarily find where to focus that attention, if that okay. makes sense. So ADD in old money is now ADHD inattentive. So that is quite often when quite often girls are described sort of away with the fairies or you're easily distracted. Then there's ADHD, which is um, the, the the hyperactive side, um, where you're very outwardly 
noticeable, high word count, fidgeting, can't sit still, etc. And then there's the crossover in the middle, which is combined ADHD, um, which is the inattentive and the hyperactive. So that's me. So I'm literally like, oh, look, squirrel, very easily distracted, shiny things, etc. This beautiful shelf. I'm like, oh, look. Um, as well as the hyperactive, so as I said, very high word count and fidgeting. That's um, combined. But I think it's really important to know um, if you met my husband, he's also combined. He's also hyperactive. <laughs> if you met him, you really wouldn't think so. But he's actually, you can be hyperactive internally. Mm-hmm. So his brain just keeps going and going. You're nodding in agreement. I feel yep. that you might get I'm this. I'm combined as yeah. well. And, yes. it, and it's just that internalized, almost like they often describe it as like a motor that just keeps running. So my husband's really sweet. And Kelly always says, like, you've almost got like the best bits of ADHD. Okay. Like, do you know what, what I mean? What are the best bits of ADHD? Well, I like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love to talk to random people. Like, whenever okay. my kids are out with me, they're always like, don't talk. Oh, God, mummy looks like she's about to talk to that person. And I'm always like itching to connect. I don't Fucking love connecting. Hell, that's the opposite yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't no. want to talk to anybody. No. Well, my husband's like, he just says, like, oh, you know, have you met my wife? He says, you know, like a little toy, wind up toy, wind her up, out she goes. There we go. Meet Hester. And um, yeah, I think the best bits are, yeah, just I just want to find out about people. I just love to connect to people. Love a random chat to okay. an old person at a bus stop. Not that I'm often at bus stops. But do you know what I mean? I just, I think that's a really good thing. The hyperfocus, I think, if you can somehow zone in on that, that is huge. Um, I just think ADHD is just, for me, like it's hugely challenging and I'm not, denying that at all it's massively challenging what Um, are what are those challenges for you oh where do we go (laughs) (laughs) the challenges i think for me massively executive function skills um people sort of argue about this and there is a study that says like 30 to 40 like if you're adhd there's about 30 to 40 percent you struggle with your executive function so say like for example i'm really bad at math so say like if you're 10 if you've Mm -hmm. got a 10 year old child they're going to have the executive function skills of like a sort of six and a half a seven year old okay so for example you i did a parenting um adhd children workshop recently and a lot of parents were like that's why my child can't like maybe do their teeth or put their shoes on like do the laces the things that you inverted commas would expect children to be able to do at a certain time um, it doesn't mean that they're not clever and not advanced in other ways, but the executive function skills, like being able to get their school bag ready or not lose their stuff at school, their cardigan, their jumper, whatever, like the functioning skills. So therefore, you can, if you're if you're 30 and you're in the workplace where we do a lot of work with organisations, it's like working with a 20-year-old. So they might just be seen as a bit more just not quite on it or just, you know, a bit more carefree. But is that a slow, is that a slow processing thing it's almost it can be separate to the slow processing okay. i think so the executive function is almost like you're working memory your organizational skills being able to prioritize so if you're at work um you know if you've got given a list of actions if you've got adhd everything is seen as important you don't almost you haven't almost got that ability to work out well actually that's quite a big project that's going to take me longer so therefore i need to start that quicker you know before anything else you go oh that looks fun and glitzy yes let me do that bit of my job so how how given you know you spent a lot of your career you know producing and being and you're and you're a mother Mm. being really organized (laughs) how yeah how has that relationship been i I think i'm organized because i really really have to be so like when i was diagnosed the psychologist was like you know, you have severe, I hate that word, but severe combined ADHD and you have to work five times harder than other people to like get your shit together kind of thing. So I'm always on time, but that's because I leave 
ridiculously early because I, I can't just kind of arrive on time. I have to sort of just... Yeah, if you're on time, thing. you're late. Yeah, does that... Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, I left home at like quarter past seven today. There was no need for me to do that. But what if this? What if that? What if the tube's late? What if the train's late? Yep. Whatever. So the organisational skills, like people go, oh, you're, you know, WhatsApp groups about friends. Oh, you're always the first to reply. Because otherwise I won't ever. <laughs> like, it's now or never. Do you know what I mean? So, it's so the, what role do you play in your friendship group then? I'm probably the doer okay. because I'm like got to get it done. So like, you know, we're going to go out for dinner. Well, I'll book that now. <laughs> because, okay. Do you know what I mean? I have to. So I probably am seen as organised. And I remember another friend was like, you can't have ADHD. You're just really organised. And it's like, I'm not. But I'm looking like it's together, but it's the sort of swan, isn't it? You look like you've got it together on the top underneath. You're like, oh my God, oh my Furiously God. Furiously paddling yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. So then how do you... I'm, I'm just interested in this because I think, I think there's there's such obviously a direct correlation from what I've learned mm. uh, in ADHD and, you know, being organised yeah, in yeah. like its grandest sense, I guess. And and I think it's helpful for people to hear the things that you've put in place mm. to deal with that and yeah. navigate that. So what are the, like, how, where's your action list sit? Okay. How do you, action how do lists. you, uh, action lists, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, your so, to-do list. Yeah, so whiteboard, whiteboards are my friend. We have like one on the fridge. We have, actually, that's like we have three on the fridge. Okay. We have like a weekly one, then we have like a monthly one. It currently says September. This is, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So this is the thing. Look at me, I've bought whiteboards. Aren't I organised? Oh no, it still says September on there. And then there's like a to-do list, which isn't on there. I'm loving notes on my phone. Me because too. you can then also search. And I, up until last year, I was old school and I was all about the diary, like a paper diary. But if you shut the book, that's it, it's gone. You know, so I've got lots of to-do lists, but I forget that they exist. Do you I'm, like lists? Love a list. Okay. I love a Why list. Why do you like a list? Um, because I like the ticking. So I've worked out now on the notes on your phone, you can then add a little tick You mean list. the dopamine hit of like, <laughs> yeah. done, done, <laughs> yes, yay, yay. Yes, And it has to be small things. And then I'm, I mean, my mum literally is the queen of lists and is always, always lists. And um, she puts things on the list that she's already done just so she can tick it off. Okay. <laughs> I'm here for that vibe. Okay. Like, I'm loving that. But yeah, lists, um, very much online calendar. Like, I work with my husband now, um, Kelly, and we've always wanted to work together. We've been working together officially now for a year. But before that, um, I was freelancing and things, doing other stuff, whilst we were doing Perfectly Autistic, which is our neurodiversity consultancy. But yep. So everything I was doing was on paper. It was like, and then when we worked together, he was like, you just need to, like, have it all on the calendar so it pops up. Um, but then even then, sometimes it doesn't always go to plan. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, the organisation piece. I, I kind of, I guess I dance between the sort of ADHD part of my brain as I see it, that's, you know, lists and loads of notes mm. and I have to write something down if yes. I think of something. Yeah. Which gets tricky when you're driving. So there's that sort of million miles an hour, write stuff down, remember it. I feel like I've learned how to, it's almost like giving myself rewards. So mm. sometimes I can have an idea or a thought, but I don't have time to think it through yeah. or do anything about it. And it's lovely because I can just write it down mm. 
and then I know it's there. So yeah, yeah n- my n- <laughs> notes it, on my phone is an interesting place. It probably fights. I mean, I'm so I'm diagnosed ADHD. My husband's autistic and ADHD, and both of my children, India and Hudson, they're autistic and ADHD. And they quite often talk about like the ADHD and autism fighting mm. each other. And my son is really sweet, um, Hudson. He's nearly 12. And um, he's just like a mini, mini me of my husband. And my daughter's a mini me of me. And uh, my son said the other day, just I just think I'm really good at being autistic. And India's really good at having ADHD. Because <laughs> that's almost how it presents to them. Like he seems to have not more autistic traits at all, but she's very outgoing, loves to do things, loves, but then because she's autistic, she has the anxiety side as well. And yes. the, she was meant to come today and she didn't because it all felt a bit too much. It's all the unknowns, isn't yes. it, that you can't control. Yeah. Talk to me about perfectly autistic. I'm really interested in what's going on in the workplace. Yeah. And you've been and, you know, trained loads of people. You've been into loads of massive companies mm. and done workshops What's your, like, what's your sense on, I don't know, the UK work, another big question, (laughs) the UK workplace and neurodivergence? There's a real appetite for neurodiversity workshops, training, understanding. I think we're very early on in that journey. Um, But there's definitely, but it's almost like people are like, oh, this, we need to be talking about this. Because you talk about diversities and obviously you can't see neurodiversity, obviously it's hidden disability. I mean... I have to say, everyone's come to us. I would say the appetite is there and I think companies are really keen to do it and get involved. And I think, but they almost don't quite know what they should be doing. So we quite often say, well, look, let's start with like an introduction to neurodiversity workshop. We'll come in, maybe a bit of a lunch and learn, quite chilled. It's either Kelly, who's autistic or ADHD, as I said, my husband or myself will come in, do a session, get everyone up to speed almost so that everyone's on a similar level. Because naturally people are gonna some people are gonna know more like my husband he's gonna love that I told this he always does this joke and I'm like this is such a dad joke but he's <laughs> oh, no. get ready he's always like oh if you went like and asked someone on the street what neurodiversity is they'd be like oh it's the late, latest dance act on Britain's Got Talent right <laughs> now he does this right in most of his talks just to see if he gets a laugh so he can come home and tell me whether or not it lands and he did he's a, got a laugh from see, me he did a conference the other week and he was like I've got a laugh and there's like a massive <laughs> finance conference I'm like that's the level then. There we go. Finance people are loving this joke. So yeah, but you know, oh, his point is great. valid because I think people go, oh yeah, neurodiversity. And then they're almost like, don't really want to say, okay, what does that actually mean? What yeah. does it, you know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of that going on. So with our introduction to neuro- neurodiversity, it kind of means that we can go in and talk to people and roughly 20% of the population, obviously, yes. are um, neurodivergent. 50% of those people don't know it. You got you and I. I mean, I was 43 before I was yeah, diagnosed. I was 40. Yeah, my husband was 44. There seems to be a real tranche of us sort of late 30s up mm. to your 40s, early 50s who weren't diagnosed because we weren't bad enough in inverted commas at school. Uh, you know, we weren't throwing tables across or chairs across the classroom or we didn't need that much support. You did. And I also locked my teacher in the cupboard. So here <laughs> we are. But I never got a, I never got a detention. Because I talked my way out of it. <laughs> Very I, good. I wouldn't let him out of the cupboard until I promi- until he promised me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very good. I mean, Hostage. I'm quite proud of that. Yeah. Another ADHD trait. Yes. Excellent negotiation yes. skills. Um, but I think, but again, you weren't then diagnosed when you were younger. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's there's almost like a bit of a disconnect. And then also there's a lot of people now that are getting diagnosed after their children are being diagnosed. And this is what happened with us. The children, were, um, India and Hudson, were diagnosed about four years ago, four and a half years ago. And 
during that process, Kelly was away with work a lot. He worked for um, a large corporate company and he was in Holland at the time. And I sent him information. He replied, is that about Hudson or is that about me? Because it resonated that strongly with him. And then I was like, that's about Hudson. He was like, oh, because that really rings a bell. So then when we were looking into it, he was like, I think this is me. And we've been together for 22 years. We've been married for 16 and he says he always felt different, but just didn't really quite know why or, you know, why he found... He just thought everyone else could handle things a bit easier at work and stuff. And even, like, I remember we were going travelling to Australia and looking back now, I'd known him, Kelly, from years before. We'd met when we were, like, 15 and 17. Lost touch five years. Got back in touch. We'd been together. Went off to Australia. Went off to Australia after three months mm. of knowing each other, which is, like, if my daughter did that, I'd go mad. Yeah. <laughs> You're going travelling and so on. So we did that. And um, I remember literally jumping up and down at the airport, like, <laughs> I have a lot of energy. And I was like, oh, my God, we'd, like, quit our jobs, we'd quit our flats, we, like, moved out of our, you know, left our friends behind. And he just completely deadpan went, yeah, it should be good. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, oh. And I remember looking and thinking, that's, that's a very calm reaction. <laughs> what are you like in a crisis? Terrible. <laughs> I'm like... I just panic and I can't breathe. Okay. Whereas Kelly has thought through every single ramification. I don't know if you're the same. Yeah, I, I am. Are you there? A crisis for me is like I had a crisis before we started recording. Okay. The crisis was I didn't have something to hold in my hand. Yeah. Right. That, that and now was, I'm jealous that you've got a pen. But there you go. It's fine. That was a crisis. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, we had Adele Tracy on here. We were talking about how. How she deals with crisis. Mm. Um, you know, thinking, God, the, you know, people who actually have proper crisis, like yeah. emergency, front line, yes. firefighters. Yeah. Like there's there's something interesting there in people who whose job is to deal with like not just like a normal crisis, yeah, no. but like a mega crisis, yeah. and that is their job. We do a lot of training um, for the fire service and. Um, work with the Hampshire and Isle of Wight Fire Service quite a lot, do a lot of training with them because a high proportion of fire people and police officers, etc., are neurodivergent because you've got shift work, haven't you? So it's different every day. You don't know what you're going to get, all that kind of thing. Yep. So Kelly's done a lot of training with them around how to support your neurodivergent colleagues because there'll be certain industries, naturally, there's a high proportion. Yes. And you wouldn't really think about it in the emergency services, but also really calm in a crisis because you've got a plan. Whereas I'm like, ah! just a little bit like I do the you know the fight flight or mm-hmm. sort of I'm just like I freeze okay I don't get past that bit I'm just standing and there then, and just go oh and my then God. is it how are you with pressure yeah it depends what kind of pressure but like years ago one of my very first jobs was working on the right stuff presenting I was the booth girl many many moons ago that on air sign goes I'm like here we go <laughs> do you know what I mean I absolutely loved it um I remember the editor shouting in my ear so much he made me cry on air didn't love that so much but that kind of I would say that was quite a pressured job and it was it was the right stuff so it was news so when like 9-11 happened we had to scrap everything and go with it so that was really but again very dopamine seeking and I've always sought out jobs that kind of did that unintentionally because you've had 30 is that right yeah it's quite a lot 30 jobs and I've never been fired from any of them I have to I always have to put that as a caveat yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean yes. I'm actually quite good I just get bored really easily yes. yeah no 30 full-time jobs 
And, I just think, and when you look back over that, what's your reflection, knowing that you're ADHD? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of neurodivergent people do, you know, I coach, I'm an ADHD coach as well. I coach loads of people who are like, oh my God, I think I'm going to have to quit my job. Because also RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria, kicks in. So they're like, oh my God, it's terrible. I must have done something awful. I think I'm going to get fired. Had this the other day with a, with a client. And I'm like, so what have you done? Well, my manager looked at me sort of strangely. Okay, so have you done anything? No. So do you like, can they fire you for not having done anything wrong? Yes. No, okay. Right, so you have to break it down and work it through. Yes. So I think there is partly, probably with some jobs, I was a bit like, actually, do I get out first before I get fired? Not that I, I can't, mm. do you know what I mean? But almost like a bit of saving face kind and of And then thing. what about because there's a shiny new bauble? Oh, love a shiny bauble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? There's, uh, like I said at the beginning, love meeting new people. So me in a new job, <laughs> hiya. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas other people are like, oh God, I could think of nothing worse than having to change jobs. Because I'm like, Ooh. Is, I, I, I just love, I mean, I, I'm laughing a lot because I absolutely can't relate. <laughs> You're like, this is terrible. I'm like, oh, but. Your I'm, shoulders have gone up. But you I'm also, like- I'm also laughing because I am, um, I'm so in admiration of, of you knowing that about yourself mm. and being able to be like yeah I love talking to people and yeah I love and and I guess I'm now getting to a point more in my life where I'm more okay to be like I don't have any friends yeah and I don't like meeting people yeah. and I don't want to talk to a stranger uh yeah and I'm kind of okay with that. And I think that's a really good place to be. Kelly always uses an analogy, and I can't think if it's Simon Sinek or someone that says you wake up like either with coins or no coins. So you wake up with like a pile of coins. Kelly, being autistic and ADHD, has a pile of coins. And every social interaction, like it's like a social currency, you give out a coin. And actually, if the conversation was a bit trickier, you give out a few coins. Yep. So depending on how much interaction you've had with people that day, your coins run out earlier in the day, midday, three o'clock, five o'clock. So Kelly would be away with work. He'd be away quite a lot for a few days at a time. <laughs> I'm at home having woken up with no coins. Yes. <laughs> like when I got here earlier, I was just like nonstop chats. I was like, I've been really quiet on the train for two hours. <laughs> I was like, high word count. That's what Kelly always says. Got a high word count. And, and he'll sort of be like, you've not spoken to many people today. It's different, <laughs> it's different now we work together. But he would come home and he'd be like, no, no, no I've been, I'm, I'm aware I'm talking quickly now. Yeah. I used to apologise and I don't. I'm no. just, you know, a bit giddy. Um, and so I wake up with no coins and every time I have a social interaction, yeah, I, love I that gain analogy. coins. And then at the end of the day, my box is full. I always imagine a little treasure box. Kelly's, on the other hand, is, empty. is empty. Yes. Hudson's is empty. India's is full. Okay. So India and I are always out together. We're always off doing things. We're always... Because we need those coins and the interaction from other people. But I, I love that you know that you don't always want that. And Kelly's the same. And he's like, I'm quite happy to go out and do some things. But equally, that Hudson's best place is at home. Yeah. Just it's safe. Exactly. No one's going to make him try anything new. Like he's got yep. a really limited diet. He knows he's got everything there. To do, you know, that's just, it's nice. He's yeah. always like, why would I want to go out? My wife is, it, you know, she wakes up on empty and, yeah. and she goes and, you know, she gets her energy from other people yeah. and from being sociable and I don't. And it's funny how opposites attract though, isn't yeah. it? Don't you, you know. I know, because it's sort of like, hold on a minute, I'm, yeah. you, you go and be social and yeah. I'm not going to be. Yeah. Why do you think there is such a massive waiting list for people being diagnosed with ADHD? 
Very good question. I think social media is partly to play. So people okay. are seeing things on social media. I don't think there's an increase in people with ADHD. Okay. Um, I don't think so. Um, I think it's awareness and people are talking about it, people reading about it, and you've got ADHD and autism sort of influences. Um, and people are going, oh my God, that's me. And feeling a place of, wow, I feel, you know, like I belong. I think the waiting list is so long. In some areas now, it's up to 10 years. Ah, uh, just, it like makes it, me... It just is sad. It, oh. I actually can't think about it. I'm really, I'm a really sensitive person. You know, that there's a lot of people like me and my family who were then diagnosed during lockdown. And I think that's why the wait's so long because people had so much time on their own and then looked at why they handled things differently or reacted in different ways to So a slight situation. hangover from COVID and not being yeah. able to be assessed. Yes, yes. Bunching up. 100%. And increasing. As well as the awareness of... ADHD. I mean, you've got Sam Thompson at the moment. You yes. Know, you've got lots of celebrities. More in the press. More in the press talking about their ADHD, which I think is really, really important. And then that makes people go, hold on, that's me. So then they go and seek a diagnosis. So I just think there's a real, yeah, hangover is a good word of it. And then I think hopefully it should start to ease out a bit. Yep. But at the moment, it's just shocking. How do we improve public's perception yeah. of having a different brain? I think it's podcasts like this. I think it's us. Cute. Yeah, no, I do. And I think it's talking about it. I think it's about training at work, which should hopefully then filter down. I just think people need to talk about it because I think the world is not set up for neurodivergent people, which is obviously if you're autistic, ADHD, dyslexic, dyspraxic, etc. The neurotypical, which is obviously if you don't have a neurodivergent brain, is set up for neurotypicals but it's almost like one day someone decided that was the norm that was how we should behave i did a um a project and a bit of work with regent street um a while ago and they were like right how can we make our literally regent street more neurodivergent friendly more sort of accessible and i'm like this is amazing this wow. is really cool that you're even having these conversations but then what was really interesting horrific was, street like a, it? it's a Love from it. an architectural stunning oh, just stunning and iconic and wonderful neurodivergent oh my god it's like families <laughs> it's making me it's a bit yeah oh, you are yeah making me squirm yeah, thinking yeah. about it because there's a lot going on yes. so we were just talking about loads of different things but i love that that's even a conversation mm. that even regent street are literally saying what can we do to Airports, improve things he throw oh my gosh way, yeah if you're yeah, listening yeah there's like and the, and there's a lot of people doing a lot of things and i think there's just still so much work to be done. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. The Perfectly Autistic, like you said, working with big corporate companies, partners with Minds Mental Health at Work, which is amazing. And just the more people that we can train and discuss and, you know, we then run workshops and training sessions and everything we do is completely bespoke. So it's completely bespoke for that industry yes. and that company because everyone is different. There are some pretty crazy stats about um, sort of unemployment rates and neurodivergence. Why do you think that is? I think it's it's really difficult. Like we discussed at the beginning that like, you know, I've had 30 different full-time jobs. So, you know, I think it's about people who are neurodivergent either finding the interview process really difficult because it's not very um, neurodivergent friendly. Think about as a society, the amount of pressure we put on eye contact. Firm handshake. Oh, that's not a very firm handshake. You know, they're not going to be very good at the job, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Um, you know, or maybe they talk too much or they fidgeted and they obviously yeah, weren't... Yeah, there's all paying... these no norms. Norms, aren't there? You know, these societal things that we look and think, oh, that is what makes a good 
um, you know, employee. And um, Kelly used to work as a recruitment consultant, a headhunter many years ago. And he said, you know, that sort of straight away, they'd be like, well, you know, they're going to be any good. And the receptionists were like, well, they, they're they a bit brusque with me. Oh, okay, well, they're not going to be any good for the job. You know, so it's a bit it's a bit crazy, really. But I think there's a stat around um, only 16% of autistic people are in full-time employment, which is just crazy. But I think... It's just so sad. But the trouble is if if workplaces aren't going to put the effort in to be neurodivergent friendly, to have quiet spaces, to have breakout rooms, to make sure that neurodivergent people are being accommodated without the employer thinking, well, why am I doing this? This is, you know, why should I do this? Mm. Actually, there's so much that comes from hiring neurodivergent people, diversity of thought, creativity, innovation, um, all that kind of thing. And I think there's such a loss of amazing talent and there's so many people out there you know that's where you get loads of business owners don't you either intentionally or unintentionally that set up their own businesses um but i think there's so much work that needs to be done and we do a lot of, of training for that with with companies and do workshops and we work with recruitment and hr teams because the whole interview process just needs to change you know there's nothing wrong with giving questions beforehand as, as long as you do it to everybody like we said yes. before if an employee came to me mm. and said hey, look, I'm struggling with this or I just think I might be this or I need to take some time off to do this. Mm. And it was centred around neurodivergence, given I, I am now diagnosed. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, how can I help? Yeah. Definitely. Where do you think, you know, bigger companies where it's mm. harder to do that? Yeah, where do you think they're at with that access and help yeah. for their employees? I think it depends on the company. I think some companies are much more open to it than others. And then I think there are some companies that think they're open to it. And then when it happens, don't actually know what to do. Um, so I think that's why the training and talking is so important. Um, and I think also as well, having people internally in companies, if anyone's listening to this now, who is fairly senior in a role, talk about being neurodivergent, be open because it's got to start from the top down. It can't just be like a bolt on. It's got to be sort of embedded in the culture that, look, we're really open. We talk about this. And like you mentioned, you know, people talk about mental health, oh, mental health at work, et cetera. And that's, you know, openly discussed now. Still think there's a stigma, I have to say, but it's seen as being more openly discussed. And it should be the same with neurodivergence. And I think the trouble is if you've got people at work who don't know they're autistic or um, ADHD and they're diagnosed or not diagnosed later in life, that can then cause huge anxieties, that can lead to depression, etc. because you're wondering why you're struggling with work or that, you know, you're not fitting in as well or, you know out of, you know, after work drinks and you don't really want to do it because that coin analogy we've used, your coins were gone by 2pm because you'd had loads of meetings and some difficult conversations or whatever. You then don't want to have to go out after work and socialise. But then if you don't do that, you're seeing, well, are you serious about your job? Are you are you wanting to be part of this team and this company, etc.? Um, so I think there's a real bit of a crossroads at the moment, I think, where people are, companies are needing to be more open and, and supporting. And, and definitely a lot of companies, I think, that come to us are doing that because otherwise they wouldn't be coming to us. Yep. But then some come to us and say, look, we've got loads to learn. What can you teach us? We don't know what we don't know. Mm. So quite often we're like, here's a pick and mix. This is what we can offer. This is what we can do. But, you know, talk to your people, see what they want because they know what's going on internally. But I think the depression and anxiety linked to like you said, you know, people being at work, et cetera, is, is just huge because especially women in ADHD, so many women have been misdiagnosed. Thankfully, I wasn't. I feel really grateful for that. But a lot of people were misdiagnosed with anxiety, with, you know, BPD, borderline personality disorder, and I know, um, you know, bipolar, et cetera. And I know some women have got these conditions, inverted commas, on their medical records, and they're like, 
I'm not. It turns out I, was, I had ADHD, you know, I've got ADHD wow. or I was autistic. And almost like they've got this on their medical records and they're trying to get that removed because they're like, I was misdiagnosed. And that's a huge thing. And that then impacts you. But also then looking back, there's a lot of people look, you know, Kelly often says he looks back with sadness because he's like, well, what if? What if I'd have chosen a different route? Because he said he always wouldn't have necessarily chosen this corporate route in sales, head of sales and head of marketing and, you know, being a headhunter years ago and a trainer and all that kind of stuff. He was just like, I'd have gone a different path. So I think there's a lot of people that look back with their diagnosis with sadness because you go, God, you know, but when I coach my clients with ADHD coaching, et cetera, it's about looking forward, which is how I am as a person naturally, because you can look back and grieve and think, mm. gosh, and for a lot of people, they've missed out on lots of different things because of not knowing that they were neurodivergent, which is really sad. But then it's about looking forward literally looking forwards and looking forward, you know, so that they can then go, right, I know who I am now. I'm only in my 30s or 40s. Here we go kind of thing. Yeah, I think the sort of looking, certainly this late diagnosis, looking back, reflections. Mm. I I probably had more personally. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. That's why. Yeah. Um, than maybe lots of sadness or regret. And I, yeah. I don't know whether that's just the way my brain works of like, let's move on. Yes. Let's well, keep going. I we move on. That's also partly ADHD, isn't it? That not quite tick done, but you don't almost sometimes, especially as well, when you've achieved amazing things, you don't always sit there and go, oh my God, look what we've just done. So you do need to try and just be in the moment and be present. Um, but I think for a lot of women, especially with this misdiagnosis, it is absolutely huge and, and causing a real problem. And I think I know that, you know, there's a huge problem with mental health and children being undiagnosed. And you talked about the waiting lists for adults and waiting lists for children is massive as well. And, and if they're not diagnosed, they can often go through life being told they're stupid or lazy or you know, stop fidgeting or stop talking so much. And that has a huge impact as well, which is is really sad because there's going to be a whole generation of of children with really poor mental health because of undiagnosed conditions. Yeah, and the, the you know, the school system, you know, I've got three girls and the the school system, I, I, I know it's not a kind of just broad brushstroke of like it's just not up to scratch, but uh, I think it's, and I could see this sort of happening in the workplace of like, Oh, if you're autistic, here's a really good company to work for. Yeah. And if you're ADHD, here's another really good company. And this company is really good for dyslexic people. And this is the thing, isn't it? I think it's, I mean, I could go on for days about schools and I won't. Um, we actually home educate our children. Um, okay. So that's a whole nother, whole nother conversation because <laughs> yes. it just didn't work for us and we tried and we tried. And there's not a lot of places available for children who are really bright, who are where they should be academically or ahead academically, but can't cope with the sensory of, you know, the sensory element of the classroom, of the school, of assemblies, of that kind uniform, of et cetera, uniform, et dear yep. God, the itchiness of the, yep. you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but like you said, it's almost then about not pigeonholing people, but there just isn't enough specialist placements that, you know, you sort of hear of people in EHCPs for children, which is educational healthcare plans to get the support. And this is why there's so much of a problem with the delay in diagnosis, because without this inverted commas label, people often say, why do you want to label them? Either yourself or your children. But without a label, you cannot get the support. But then um, these these children grow up and then go out to go to work. And this is what we always say selfishly, a perfectly autistic, we kind of want to make the world a better place so that when India and Hudson go out and get a job, the world's a bit more like, yeah, okay, you can tick that box to say you're autistic or ADHD and people aren't going to go, ooh, okay, what does that mean? How does that look? What what do we do with this? I'm not quite sure. So we always sort of say that, you know, 
both Indra and Hudson are going to go out and do great things. We're trying to just, you know, selfishly talk about it as much as we can, educate people as much as we can and have these conversations. So it's like now they've changed like Autism Awareness Month to Autism Acceptance Month because great, you're aware of it. Let's start accepting it and let's let's start accepting that it's okay. Like we are quite often tell a story that like when India was first diagnosed, she was at school and they went around the class, it was something completely separate, had to say why they were different and what made them different, which was really cute. And India came home, she was about nine at the time, and said, I told my class I was autistic. And we were like, oh my God, that's amazing. And she like, explained what it meant. And, she, and then everyone went around and shared something that was different about them. So India then was like, so it's normal to be different because we're all different here. But I think it's about... In an ideal world, it's about making the the workplace, especially more neurodivergent friendly so that people can thrive, people can be themselves. And they need to do that with the understanding and the knowledge that it's normal to be different. And, yeah. and when we talk about stuff, when we talk about reasonable adjustments at work and things, everything we do, it benefits everybody. I always go, it's not about you, Barry, being dyslexic. Exactly. Or being autistic. It's not, it's not it's for not the one. It's not for you and you and you. Yes. It's just, let's put these things in place because lots of people don't want smelly kitchens in the middle of their office or lots of people don't want, you know, bright strip lights overhead. It's it's making it a level playing field for everybody. So I think it's it's just kind of the acceptance piece, I think, and just realising it is normal to be different. So, you know, if someone doesn't make eye contact when they first meet with you, mm. don't judge them. Or if someone's very high word count, don't judge them. Like, that's okay. We have, if you're watching, you can see our neuro spicy cabinet of contributions, catchy term, just wonderful societal contributions from people who's whose brains behave differently. Did you bring something for our shelf? I did, but my ADHD brain just went into overdrive. (laughs) And then I was planning this for weeks and then I left it to the last minute. So here we go. It's very ADHD. So I didn't even realise how on brand it is if anyone's watching. This is a fluffy pen. Okay. I'm absolutely obsessed with stationery. Completely obsessed. And I just thought it was a thing from when I was younger. You meet a lot of fellow ADHDers who are obsessed. And I think there's almost something where I believe if I buy a planner or buy a diary, by osmosis, I'm going to become more (laughs) organised. So this pen symbolises that it's fluffy. So very textured. Love a bit of faux fur. It's a great fiddle. It is also neon. So this is what I'm putting Winner. On the shelf. Stick it on the shelf. Can I pop it next to Billy? And also it's like pom-pom. There I love go. a pom-pom. Billy Eilish should be happy about that. I think she would. I think yes. she'd like, look at that. That was meant meant to be, wasn't it? Thank you very much, Hester, for coming on. Um, yeah, just keep all the all the amazing work that, that you and Kelly are doing in the workplace, I, I just think is... A needed and and B is gonna it's gonna pay off, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make a difference. Thank you, will do. Appreciate you, you having me. You've been listening to the Hidden 20%. If you're still knocking about, then let me introduce you to the band. First up, main man on the mic, host Ben Branson, our wonderful producer Bella Neal and the man who'll probably try and cut this bit, video editor James Scriven. Not forgetting our wondrous theme tune by Jackson Greenberg. Lovers or haters, we want to know, so be sure to leave a review wherever you're listening. For the lovers amongst you, you'll find us on TikTok and Instagram at Hidden20Podcast or over on hidden20.org where you can join our mailing list. <laughs>